Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 266, March Madness Kickstarter Edition. we like to thank all of our Patreon backers, especially Ruby, for bringing us a brand new episode. All right, so we're back with our March Gamer Madness so much madness going on these days, and we are going to bring you the fun kind of madness, especially the Kickstarter fun madness that comes along with backing the Kickstarters, those millions and millions of dollars that go into some great gaming that hopefully you've gotten a chance to get to the table. And this episode will be our final rounds that will declare which is the greatest Kickstarter campaign of all time absolutely yeah we are finally to the last eight games we're gonna whittle it down a few surprises in there a few not at all surprising in there i honestly don't know who the winner is gonna be based on like what's there i guess it'll depend on how the conversation goes so this will be fun yeah there's some surprising cinderella teams that made it up to the final brackets and then obviously some big dominating kickstarter campaigns that have been there from the very beginning hopefully you've gotten a chance to play a lot of these games or take a look at some of these on Kickstarter, because absolutely every single one of them deserves some of your attention. So, Anthony, we got a fantastic episode, but before we get into all the fun stuff, I think that coming from BGA, coming from board gamers that are a little obsessed with board gaming and getting games to the table with our friends... I think once again, because of what's going on with the global epidemic, that we need to have a little PSA for people. Yes. Stay home. <laughs> yes, very much, very much. Well said, Anthony. That's all you need to know. There's no nuance to this. Don't go outside. Why? Just because it's what you need to do. It doesn't matter. Just do what you're being told to do by like literally every single health professional in the world. Stay inside. Now, as board gamers, you know, we always endorse the idea of staying home, playing games, getting together. But again, to emphasize Anthony's eloquent point, just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many ways to play games online. We talked about it last week. I have like 10 or 15 asynchronous games going on, on all these different channels. You can play games. I played lots of games this week. Just not face to face with anybody. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. So we really want you to stay safe. 
stay healthy so that you'll be able to join us at the table for many, many years to come. And as Anthony said, there's a lot of great ways to do that. So please keep in contact with us. We got a lot of great episodes. Maybe you didn't join us from the very beginning of BGA. So feel free to jump back on those episodes. Also jump on to BoardGamersAnonymous.com. There is a ridiculous number of episodes from BGA. Every night is game night and a tremendous number of articles. Or you could always jump onto our YouTube channel and watch videos there, see the episodes there. And of course, our Patreon channel that has Patreon-backed episodes. So there's a lot of content out there, and we're out there gaming. So please join us at the online table. And if you have a request, if there's something that you'd like us to see us talk about or bring up on a next episode or bring us up on a special episode, Please shout out to us and we'd love to hear from you. All right, Anthony, that's what's going on with BGA. What's going on with our listeners? All right, yeah. So we asked them a lot lately about Kickstarters and their favorite Kickstarters. And they obviously everybody voted in the poll for this. So uh, I was going to ask people instead what hidden gems of games, unknown games, games that kind of flew under the radar that they would recommend. And we've done this before, but it's always fun to kind of pull out some games we don't typically talk about. Uh, so a few good ones in here. Um, Sophocles uh, mentions Anima. He says, awesome game. He spent hundreds of hours with it. Rodney, uh, who, who frequently posts here on the Board Gamers Anonymous Facebook page, uh, he mentions Clockwork Wars, which uh, is frankly, I've been recommended this game three or four times by different people over the years, and I've still not had a chance to play it. So I do need to do that. Friend of the show, uh, Willie, mentions Port Royal. And... This is one of those games that I thought was going to get bigger at some points. Steve Jackson had a version coming out, but the Steve Jackson version of the game kind of came and went like a flash in the pan. Honestly, if you Google it now, you're just going to find the older European version of the game anyways. This is a very good, quick, accessible um, Alexander Fister game. So well worth checking out. Uh, some other fun ones on here. We've got Baseball Highlights 2045. Um, we have the Classic Dungeon, which... You and I, Chris, have played a couple times back in the day at Myriad, and it's surprisingly fun considering it's like a 40, 50-year-old game almost. So it's a lot of good stuff. I usually mention Spirium when we have this type of conversation. I'm not going to do that because, frankly, I've been playing Spirium. No, I did, but frankly, I've been playing Spirium (laughs) Uh, because it's on Board Game Arena, so I've actually had a couple of chances to play it this week. But another one I wanted to mention is Town Center. This is an older game from... uh, one of my favorite designers, Alban Viard, who designed Clinic, which we've all been playing recently. And it is a spatial game where you're stacking different blocks and trying to make them connect with each other in different patterns, but that'll affect your scoring. So it's kind of like Card City XL, but three-dimensional. It's a lot of fun. I've been playing it a lot, just kind of solo, you know, puzzling through some of the block puzzles. And uh, yeah, honestly, any Alban Viard game is worth checking out. This one's a little older, but not necessarily rarer because it's production-wise is not amazing. So... Um, if you see it, give it a go. All right now. So instead of our acquisition disorder this week, in keeping with our March Madness bracket Kickstarter edition, we brought on our good friend Ryan to talk about Kickstarter. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. So glad to have you on finally. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan plays with us at our local game group for quite some time now. I think we met way back when, when we used to play at a game cafe or what we would call it a game cafe. Cause that's the only reason we were there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was probably about like four or five years ago, something like that. So we wanted to bring you a fuller discussion about Kickstarter. Take a second before we wrap up the March Madness bracket and talk about why these Kickstarter campaigns are so big, their impact, and ideally, do they have an effect long term on gaming and the gaming industry? So, Ryan, you had some general ideas about Kickstarter. You've you've backed a few games over time, haven't you? I have, and I even I actually got one uh, in the other day unexpectedly because I received zero updates <laughs> throughout the uh, the thing. Um, so I got uh, Half Truth in, uh, which is a okay. trivia game from uh, Richard Garfield and Ken Jennings. And oh, okay. Played it a couple of times. It's it's really interesting. The questions are a lot harder than I thought it was. They were going to be. We're going to be premiering that on the stream. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but Kickstarter in general is obviously like the new norm in the industry, right? Chris, you and I have had uh, discussions about like what kind of opinions uh, gamers have about their Kickstarter or uh, uh, projects that they've backed, right? And how um, maybe uh, if you've backed a project, uh, you're more prone, obviously, because you've spent the money on it already to rate it higher than you would a normal game. So I kind of, you know, did a little bit of, you know, self-reflecting and thought maybe I'm guilty of this. Maybe uh, I know other people who are kind of guilty of this and like, you know, brought games to the table where I didn't really enjoy it that much. Maybe because I didn't back it and they did. And, you know, uh, the, the, the same is reversed where I brought a, kickstarted game to the table and uh enjoyed it more than other people at the table so kind of uh that kind of dynamic and looking at the you know the board game geek top 100 or the top games of all time and where they sit how many of them are kickstarted etc et so that's kind of where my mindset was for for this bit so ryan when you do the whole card and you do your twitch stream is that primarily the games that you cover? We we do like everything, whatever we kind of have um, on the shelves and uh, we feel like bringing out to the table just to either to show how to play. Um, a lot of times it's um, the first time that at least one of us has played a game uh, from our collection. Um, but other times it's just like I'll pick a theme and... Um, I have we we do a kind of a little mini bracket for the week on Instagram uh, where you can vote for what game you want to see played based on whatever theme it is. So last time we did it was uh, because it was around uh, St. Patty's Day uh, games that have drinking involved and we wound up playing brew crafters. So <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. I guess for me and, and, you know, looking at Kickstarter was kind of a mixed blessing. I mean, it had so many fantastic projects, at least early on that could not have gotten to my hands without Kickstarter. And then as time went on, I think gaming became so big that it wasn't really so much about getting or helping somebody get a game to, you know, either, a local game store or to the individual backers, but it was just kind of a marketing program to use it as a bigger platform to get the game out. And because of which th that kind of marketing platform was just a megaphone. So when I would see games on Kickstarter where people would talk about games, 
oftentimes it was games that you know got a lot of the hype through that kind of system and it was pretty much that hype or that hotness that typically made me want to back things and sometimes when i did and i did get the games yeah i I would say that that was you know from time to time a little problematic because you're really excited to get the game and then you get the game and like you've been waiting months if not years in certain cases to get the game at home and get the game to the table and sometimes that game falls flat Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's all everyone's talking about so it's got to be at the game at the table it's got to be the game that we cover that week so you know i I guess looking back at my kickstarter collection there's been a, a a bunch of you know here and there some hit and misses and it definitely leads to at least initially hyping the game a lot more at least for the me personally because you do feel like you are part of the system you feel like yeah, you're one of those producers that's producing this game. So it does give you that idea that you have a vested interest in its success. Right, exactly. Which, you know, uh, leads me to like the the one of the games that comes to my mind when you when I think of this, of uh, a game that I backed and kind of went all in on and brought it to the table and had it kind of fall flat more than once was Western Legends when it came out, when it was finally being released to backers, like everybody on, you know, on uh, Facebook groups and, and everything were, you know, tooting the horn of Western legends and sharing pictures and how awesome the game was. And then a couple months go by and you don't hear about that game anymore. It seems the, the first couple of times that I played it with like a very, very small group. It was great. I, I loved it. Definitely loved it. It worked very well when I was introducing it to other groups when I lived down south. It got like halfway through the game and someone was almost like on the fence of saying, like, can we just do something else? And then I brought Ooh. it up to to our game group and kind of had the same kind of lukewarm feeling to it. So I'm just like, did is it a bad game or do I just like <laughs> like it more because I I, I like it more? <laughs> well i think a lot of those games especially the ones on kickstarter that do really well is because sometimes they are heavily themed based so that theme's going to either hit people or not hit people and then at least even from doing this bracket it's i knew there was a lot of miniature games out there but there's a lot of miniatures games out there yeah so many and... miniatures games <laughs> <laughs> the kickstarter really makes the miniatures look like they're going to be this, you know, essential component to the game and you really get to play the role. So there is something about the Kickstarter campaign that really invests all those miniatures and all those kind of different bits and pieces with in tremendous value. And again, coupled with the theme, it seems like it's going to be this world. Whereas when you pick up a game in the game store, the cover art, at least historically for board games, has been quite bad. In fact, sometimes you have like old white dudes sitting with a grimace. Sometimes it's several old white dudes pointing at something. And once in a while, you have a decent back of the box that shows the games, but more times than not, not so much. But yeah, Kickstarter definitely kicks it up a notch. I mean, for Western Legends, for me, I like the game. I was actually surprised I liked the game because I'm not a cowboy kind of theme guy. And it did have a lot of good play for it. And it just shows up to be one of those sandbox games, 
but as you said, there is one of those situations where Kickstarter does hype up a game so much that when you do get it to the table, you expect it to be this phenomenal type of experience. And more often than not, it's like, eh, that's a fine game. Doesn't live up to the Kickstarter expectations, but it's a fine game. So maybe the expectations, while it does bring in the money initially and does make you get it to the table, but eventually it just brings it all down in the end. Right. And I think, you know, uh, going to what you were speaking of as far as like miniatures or, you know, other components and even uh, theming, I'm not super into Western themes either. I was into Western Legends because of the sandbox feel to it. It was a new experience for me as far as board gaming. And then diving into it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. There's a lot that you can do. And I can understand why people are like kind of lukewarm on it because it does kind of move a little bit slow at a certain point. Also, as far as like components, like uh, as far as Kickstarter projects go is upgraded components. And I'm a sucker for for that. It makes the, the experience of, of having the game and being able to show it off uh, better if the components are great and the game is great and not just one <laughs> of those things. If not, if the components are great, but the game kind of sucks, then, well, what do you have? <laughs> Most Kickstarter games, that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like Dinosaur Island, like the deluxe edition for that is amazing because of the slap bracelet and the metal coins that are heavy, you know, pounds worth of metal. <laughs> it's like, this yeah, is really yeah. cool. And it kind of like, it, it ups the experience a little bit. I don't think that I would play uh, a Dinosaur Island if it didn't have uh, those those components. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like sometimes the components and everything on there can kind of lull you into i mean this is obviously what you're saying but it'll lull you even more into buying a game that maybe you would never even look at twice for me massive darkness was one of those where i played zombicide black plague and i was like this is okay i like this i don't mind it and then they threw up massive darkness which was like a similar system with a whole bunch of extra chrome and bits and whatever but like a more fantasy theme with less zombies. And I was like, ooh, this is for me. And like you watch the gameplay and you read the, the rules and it's just, it's like zombicide, but you're a superhero throwing stuff at walls. The game is not interesting. It's not very fun. And this is one of those games that if you go on to forums, people will fight you over it because they've spent $300 on this thing and <laughs> they want to justify the price. And maybe, obviously, some people legit love it. But I very much was bored by it and ended up selling my copy. Like looking back at it now, I'm like, I never in a million years would have backed this except had all these little like fantasy type, you know, IP ripoff miniatures and, you know, the typical seam on Chrome, uh, but even more than usual. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of games that I, I guess, especially on Kickstarter, since it's hard to kind of provide that kind of emotional pull because that takes energy and effort it takes some great voice work some great videos a lot of reviews a lot of people that you trust they're just like here's all the chrome here's all the you know the miniatures that you could possibly have with this expansion and you know obviously the kickstarter goals and, the, and all the different you know levels of achievement kind of get you going it's almost like a slot machine supposedly like hey if i only put a five dollars more into this i may get all this extra stuff and in the end what you are paying for a lot of times is just a lot of miniatures because you can't really sample the gameplay so to speak 
and you have to back everything all at once. So it is it is a pretty lofty invest you know investment. I mean, you're spending a hundred, two hundred dollars for a game, and you're just hoping you're just hoping that it's actually decent. So yeah, I, I guess in the end, it's 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 very much a double edged sword as far as Kickstarter being a benefit to getting that game that you purchased to the table because everybody wants to see it, but almost always going to be so much hype that it's never going to live up to it. So again, those games may fade to the background because nothing can meet those expectations that Kickstarter provides. Sure. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's always going to be a couple of, um, you know, outliers that definitely exceed the expectations uh, for people, obviously, you know, Scythe, one of them and then gloomhaven did really well on kickstarter and uh are very much well liked by all (laughs) and if you don't like it you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) which is a funny one though because you talk about gloomhaven and that first campaign it did okay it didn't do amazing it did okay but you have other games and i have a long list of games i backed that i like far less than gloomhaven that did way better in terms of cash so it's such a it's hard to, I mean, we, I guess there's more of a science to it now, like the stretch goal performance and who's on there and when you launch and how many miniatures you have. But And the, I guess there's, the, you know, the asking price for, you know, uh, the base game uh, that you're backing as well. Like, because, you know, Gloomhaven's base price was, what, like $150 or something like that on Kickstarter when it first launched, minus all the extra stuff. And then... I think it was, it was actually like 90 Oh, Never mind that. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, that's like the weird exception to the rule because when he relaunched it, the price went up, you know, 20, 30 bucks because it had to. Like he jammed so much in the box. Right. And now everybody charges that much. Right. But and then you have the the uh the other games, the party games that have made, you know, way, way more than that, that were selling for like twenty dollars, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars that, you know, just like sold copies all of the copies <laughs> yeah <laughs> again it just becomes another one of those situations where kickstarter initially was this platform to help projects get produced and then it became this marketing platform and then in those cases like you like you said ryan some of those games out there are making millions of dollars not because of the gameplay so much but because fans wanted to have an opportunity to have a part of maybe that web comic or they wanted to support the designer or the artist or the cartoonist. And they said, hey, this would be a great idea. Let me do this. This There's never been anything like that before. And we've seen that track as well. So there's been a, you know, a number of different reasons that Kickstarter has been successful and continues to be successful for so many designers. I mean, obviously, for example, even Queen Games, they're just publishing the games through Kickstarter. They're done with trying to figure out what people want and having to dump their game on Amazon for like a buck. So, you know, it's the reality of this, whether it's, as you guys mentioned, very, very, very expensive games that you probably wouldn't see at your local friendly game store or very obscure games like a Kingdom Death Monster or, you know, Cthulhu Wars. And then, again, some of those oddball projects that may not necessarily be game-based, But there are a lot of fans out on the internet, so Kickstarter is not a far step for them. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about the whole card and where they could find you? Awesome. Yeah, great. So uh, thank you 
for having me on again. Uh, you can find me and uh, my team of uh, Jen, James, and Tim on twitch.tv slash the whole card, uh, where we stream board games weekly. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, also at the whole card. And uh, if you follow us, you can vote for what uh, whatever game we uh, are going to be playing on the stream and uh, occasionally we will have uh chat interactive streams as well we'll play a game of like mysterium or or something where chat can be involved with that as well so come learn a new game if you're not familiar with it or just watch us play uh something either that you're not familiar with you are familiar with teach us the game if we mess up on the rules <laughs> <laughs> cool all right ryan thanks so much for joining us thank you All right, that's everything for our listeners. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review, we are down to the final round of the March Madness Kickstarter bracket, where we'll take a look at the greatest Kickstarter campaigns that came out and judge and battle them out and see which ones come down to it. So, Anthony, we started off with four brackets, but by the end of this, it'll be all wrapped up. What do we have up first? In our red bracket. All right, number four, Gloomhaven versus number two, Dark Souls, the board game. Uh, Again, have not played Dark Souls, but it's always one of those games that's very intriguing to me, both in terms of the difficulty and how they just kind of went for it thematically, but also just the world that it evokes. It's always been very interesting. But again, I'm not like a hardcore Dark Souls video game player either, so it's just kind of a passing interest, not necessarily a one that I'm vested in. Gloomhaven, however, is a game I backed early and have had for several years now and have absolutely enjoyed. I'm looking forward to the Frosthaven campaign that's going up here in a week or two. So for me, it's got to be Gloomhaven, both because of how much I enjoy it, but also the impact it's had overall on the hobby and on Kickstarter and the types of games that we see and kind of raising the bar a little bit on all these big adventures in a box. Yes, many of these games are very similar. They're dungeon crawls. There are a bunch of miniatures or standees, and it's hack and slash throughout. The game is pretty unforgiving. And, I mean, since both these games are in the same realm, I guess the only thing for me that Dark Souls has is maybe some of those kind of iconic miniatures if you played the video game. But otherwise, the game is very much a niche kind of piece of nostalgia from the video game. So if you love the video game and you're like, hey, this would be great if I had all of those things so I could play on the tabletop, this game was for you. But I think for everybody else, it's Gloomhaven. All right, so Gloomhaven moves on to the last round. All right, Anthony, what's up next in our green bracket? Green bracket, we have number eight, Dinosaur Island versus number 10, Root. So we have uh, the big epic box of dino meeples and slap bracelets and crazy 80s slash 90s aesthetic and then we have cute little woodland creatures just destroying each other in the forest both of these games are more (laughs) classically up our alley they're not miniatures games they're not party games they're euros of varying weights and uh dinosaur islands i'm definitely just a kind of a classic middleweight game um, worker placement uh, whereas Root is actually more interesting in that it's a war game, an asymmetrical war game, like the coin series, but packaged in a way that anybody could play it and everybody has played it. So for me, I feel like Root has had a bigger impact because it shows what you can do with unexpected themes if you have the right packaging. Um, it also shows the amplification you can get out of a Kickstarter from people seeing it early, backing it early, engaging with it, getting excited about it. Dinosaur Island 
had a, a decent first Kickstarter and kind of exploded in the second one after people got their hands on it, which is another great way that Kickstarter can work. Um, but for me, it's got to be Root just because I don't know how many conventions I went to where you could not get anything for this because they sell out of everything in the first 12 hours. And uh, to me, that speaks volumes to the impact the game has had. Yeah, both these campaigns went above and beyond expectations. I'm sure when Dinosaur Island came out, they kind of went all in on this idea of this retro late 80s, early 90s fluorescent colored kind of slap bracelets and pink dinosaurs, but actually put together a very solid game. In fact, Ryan, who we were talking to a few minutes ago, my play of Dinosaur Island convinced me to actually back the new campaign, which raised all the money, especially with the expansion. And it was really a groundbreaking kind of situation because as a kid, you know, if you wanted to have a board game, you wanted to have a board game that had all the stuff to it. Dinosaur Island had all the stuff to it. There were some minor issues here and there with how long you played the game and how the expansions came into play, but it had every dinosaur you could possibly want in all of the colors you could possibly want, as long as it was pink. Uh, unless you went with the uh, sea dinosaurs, then they were blue. But nonetheless, you had every dinosaur you could want. You got to play Jurassic Park. Fantastic. Root, as Anthony was saying, was cute little woodland creatures from like Disney movies that were plotting terrible revenge upon each other. And there's something about a cutesy little woodland creature revolution utilizing hardcore war game mechanics that's just so subversive that i just got to go along with root i mean i don't i I, it's just the thing i own dinosaur island i don't own root but root was a phenomenon as anthony was mentioning the conventions alone was a thing but nonetheless everyone backed it and happily so all right anthony that brings us up to our blue bracket what do we have up here? All right, we got number nine, Scythe, which at the time was the biggest board game Kickstarter of its kind. Uh, and number 10, Arcadia Quest, which is kind of the linchpin of the deluge of miniatures games we got from Simon on Kickstarter over about a four-year period from 2015, 2014 through 2018 or so, before it started to slow down just a little bit. So this one's a tough one. I love both these games. I have everything for both of these games. I backed both of these <laughs> games. So which which Kickstarter do I enjoy more? I will say that I have not played either of these all that much in the last year or so. Scythe kind of dropped off a lot, and I just haven't gotten around to playing the expansion, which it's not Kickstarter, by the way. And then Arcadia Quest, you just need a group, and you got to dive in and go through the campaign. But I will say that Scythe has encouraged me to not only get everything for it, organize all of it, start painting the pieces. I'm not getting the metal ones. I want to paint mine. Then also get the video game. Also play that on Steam. And even though this is not one of my favorite Euros anymore, it's kind of fallen down the list. It just stays up there. It's just a solid, well-made game that does what it's supposed to do and has introduced a lot to the hobby through Kickstarter. Um, Arcadia Quest has done the same thing, but I feel like, again, we've talked about the Simon formula where it's just polish and pulling in ips and kind of building uh almost an amalgamation of things and presenting it in the best possible package whereas scythe is something wholly unique and new um which for the same reason i voted for root i'll vote for scythe yeah i think anthony you stole my thunder on this i think scythe being a completely unique game 
just makes it stand above and beyond anything else that's out there. Arcadia Quest is, for me, the pinnacle of miniature madness as far as literally wanting and getting every miniature possible, having synergies with the other miniatures. So you really could play with all of them. It wasn't just like, hey, you play with one character. Nope. You can play in teams of threes and you can mix and match the characters and the other expansions come into play and they all fit very nicely. And there was never a problem with this campaign. Everything worked really well. Riders, not so much. But beyond that, it was a wondrous experience. And I didn't back the original Arcadia Quest, but I backed everything else afterwards. And I really still regret not backing it. And every once in a while, I kind of peek over and go, did I back that random character that I do not need and will not play with? But maybe I should. <laughs> but Scythe just did something that was altogether different. It was in every convention. It's still being played. Rise of Fenris really made the game outstanding. So yeah, I'm going to go with Scythe. All right, Anthony, that leads us down to our final bracket, the yellow bracket. What do we have up? All right, we got number four, Conan. And... Number 15, from the very bottom of the bracket, Brass, specifically the Birmingham update. So we have, in my opinion, one of the best one versus all uh, miniatures, uh, adventures, skirmishy type games that is out there with Conan, with the dashboard system that was re-implemented in Batman and just made them a ton of money, but also several different Kickstarters out of it. And then we have Brass Birmingham, um, as well as the, the graphical update and kind of the rules tweaks for Lancashire which has now become the number four game of all time on uh, BGG as people get their hands on it. And which I've now played six times as part of my 10 by 10 with my local group. And I absolutely love this is in my top 100. I really like Conan because it did a thing. I didn't think I game could do and make me like that style of one versus many miniatures moving around a map turns into a little bit more of a puzzle, but brass is just such a solid, just fun game that has so much to unpack each time you play it uh doesn't take too long doesn't overstay its welcome is not overproduced they even made a much more accessible less expensive version of it that goes to retail so it's not this crazy one two hundred dollar box of stuff uh and i know there is a similar like cheaper version of conan but again with all those miniatures why wouldn't you want just all of them right <laughs> so for me i'm gonna go with brass because it showed what you could do with a very ugly old game that everybody ignored if you made the right tweaks and updates. And now we're seeing a lot of that in other just fantastic old heroes coming back through Kickstarter. Yeah, both these campaigns really did a great job bringing out, I guess in Conan's case, new mechanics and creating a genre of gaming, at least with Batman and I guess the second Conan that came on and I guess several other new things that are coming out. Uh, moving forward, Brass, on the other hand, as you mentioned, Anthony, was a re-implantation, and I think that alone wouldn't be enough for me, but the fact that Brass also came with the iron clay chips, and that really kind of set the game above and beyond for me, and I think even the iron clays had their own Kickstarter from this, and we were just talking about this, you know, Brass moved up to number four on BGG. And that would never have happened if not for this campaign and the great work that they did to put the game together. So I'm going to go with Brass. All right, Brass moves on to our final round. The Cinderella team makes it up there. All right, Anthony, this is it. 
let's take a look. We have our red bracket, Gloomhaven, versus our green bracket, Root. What do you think? All right. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, yeah, like these last four games, uh, in my case, I own all four of them. And all four are in my top 100 games of all time. And uh, I play them frequently. So it's just, I'm like, I'm happy. All four games are great. So whichever one comes out on top, it's awesome. Um, in terms of like best Kickstarter campaigns, though, looking at Gloomhaven, looking at Root, both of these have done a fantastic job. Both companies, uh, Isaac Childress with Gloomhaven and Cephala Fair Games and uh, Patrick Leader and Cole Worley with Root Games and Leader Games have just done a good job of engaging the community, building uh, something around their games. So in the case of Gloomhaven, um, Isaac has way over communicated every single step of the way. It was fun to follow his updates after the first Kickstarter. And it was fun to follow along with like the, the one-time daily scenarios he was running uh, during that second Kickstarter. I'm excited for the new Kickstarter because I know he's going to do something similar where you can just kind of follow along and run through and play the things. Even if you don't play them, you can just see where the story is going. And it's just cool that he's even able to do that. He's that prolific and able to write that much that quickly. Um, on the side of Root, this is a game that is heavily influenced by fan playtesting. Uh, they put out content regularly for people to help out and make the game better. And that's just always been really cool to me. Um, I know with the Underworld expansion, which got it onto this list in the first place, that one had a lot of early issues that the fans caught in the extensive early playtesting that made those factions so much better and what they are today, which to me is a fantastic expansion for the game. I'm going to go with Gloomhaven. Uh, and it's not necessarily because I like it more than Root. I think Root might even be higher on my list um, personally. But in terms of a Kickstarter and the experience I had and how much I followed along and engaged with the content and just resonated with what isaac was putting out um that's the one that really got to me so for me it's gloomhaven i own neither of these games and honestly i don't have any plans to do so now the reason for that is that the gameplay that comes along with both of these games is very unique and you do need a unique game group in order to really enjoy them and I like both of these games. I've played a good chunk of Gloomhaven until the group dried up. And I've played Root a number of times and enjoyed that very much so. And both of these games, as Anthony mentioned, have done something extraordinary. We've already talked in length about Root as far as having this kind of like old school war game, kind of with this really cutesy kind of packaging to it. And then we talked about Gloomhaven, uh, number one on BGG. Uh, Isaac Childress kind of became an instant celebrity for producing this fantastic homebrew type of system. And it's just endless as far as content is concerned. So both these games deserve to be here. Both these games are fantastical. It's almost impossible to pick between either of these games. And as, as I said earlier, both these games are very unique because you do need a unique game group that you can keep coming back to in order to really get the most out of these games. If I had to pick one, because again, it's both of these have gotten so very far and I wanted to get one to the table or I wanted to own one tomorrow, it would actually be Root. It's just, there is just something more unique about the game than Gloomhaven. And despite the fact that Gloomhaven has done everything phenomenal and has been number one, Root has been a phenomenon that uh, I haven't seen anything like it before. So I'm going to vote for Root. All right, Anthony, that leaves it up to our listeners. What do they have to say? 
All right, yeah, both of these games had almost the same number of votes, like in the first rounds, like they they just rocketed up. But getting to like this level and kind of the towards the end of it, Gloomhaven did have a few more. I do wonder, like to me at least, Gloomhaven just you talk about it and you just think of it as a Kickstarter game. I mean, that's just maybe that's just because I backed it and I was involved with all the campaigns. Whereas Root, it absolutely was a Kickstarter game, but not as many people backed it initially and it kind of hit wider distribution afterwards. So I don't know if, if that's part of it or it's just more people have played Gloomhaven, but it did have a few more votes. All right, so Gloomhaven moves on to the final round. All right, Anthony. Next up, we have our blue bracket, Scythe versus our yellow bracket, Brass. Yeah, yeah. So this is... Uh, again, two games I own, two games I really like a lot. Uh, Brass in particular, I've been playing a lot lately as part of my uh, game group and really, really appreciate what it does and the layers that are there. Scythe has dried up a little bit more for me, but just the volume of content that is there and what is included in some of the expansion content that I haven't even gotten to yet is just incredible. Um, but honestly, like the big part of Scythe and possibly Scythe and games like it are what made Brass possible is showing that a large, expensive Euro game with fantastic artwork and huge production value and just a ton of time put into all that can make a lot of money. So if we're talking purely about impact here, uh, I think it's going to be Scythe for me because I don't know that a game like Brass would have hit Kickstarter. And I could be wrong. I don't know the actual backstory here. But just like my impression is that games like Brass did well and were even up there in the first place and able to have an opportunity. And I know these Kickstarters are fairly close together, so it's not like it probably happened in a vacuum, but Scythe showed people that you could make that kind of money with a Euro and showed what could be done. um, If you really just leveraged all the levers that Kickstarter has to offer and the result was fantastic. So for me, it's Scythe. Brass, when I first played it was nothing more than a kind of a glorified Excel spreadsheet and some really terrible components. And I remember playing this and going, why am I playing this? It's just, it's really disappointing and awful in all the kind of ways that board gaming usually gets kind of like ripped on for. And the Kickstarter version of it came out and everything was polished and beautiful. And the iron clay uh, tablets obviously made it, the iron clay chips obviously brought it a step above and beyond. And since it was an integral part of the game, it was definitely something that you really needed to play with the game. It wasn't just something that, you know, you could get away with like little plastic chits, which really was the way the first game came out. Scythe, as Anthony mentioned, was everything that Kickstarter was ever doing right, right? It was a unique gameplay experience. It was wondrous artwork. And... As we talked about Isaac Childress, obviously we should also mention Jamie Stegmeier, who is kind of like the guru of Kickstarter and raising over $1.8 million for Kickstarter here. And the game gets played again and again and again. So I'm going to go with Scythe. All right. So that means Scythe moves on to the final round. Here we are, Anthony. The final two games. We have our number four game, Gloomhaven, versus our number nine game, Scythe. What do you think? All right, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to stick with Gloomhaven in this case. Uh, and I, I kind of just mentioned all the different reasons why that would be the case in my uh, previous defense of the game. But yeah, it's just kind of a pinnacle for me of what Kickstarter allows and shows like you have one guy working on his own, 
slaving away on a game and just manages to turn it into a, basically an empire, you know, a whole company that's built off of this and, you know, the biggest game of all time. So for me, it's Gloomhaven. Yeah, I mentioned both of these before as not just the games themselves, but obviously the designers coming out with these games, independent, small, very small companies and bringing something new out to gaming that rocketed up and kind of dominated gaming for so long, even to this day, and having just a real big impact and unique designs. And again, everything that Kickstarter does right as far as that's concerned. So it's really hard to pick between the two, but... You know, I'm going to pick Scythe just because it's a game that I enjoy getting to the table over and over again. And it has enough complexity and different ways to play that I I really do enjoy it. All right, Anthony, that leaves it up to our listeners. So we have Gloomhaven versus Scythe. And what do our listeners have to say? They choose uh, Gloomhaven, which... I honestly wonder how much better Scythe would have done maybe a few years ago. I don't know. Like, I feel like listeners almost always voted for Scythe in the past with us. But uh, this time around, they chose Gloomhaven. All right. So that means Gloomhaven. And it's the winner of our Kickstarter March Madness Bracket. We hope that you enjoy these March Madness Brackets as much as we love bringing them to you. This one was obviously a lot of fun. As Anthony mentioned over and over again, he backed all these games. So... Obviously, he has a special affinity to these as just a good one. Yeah, just it's just a good one. There's a lot of bad ones on the list. So please check out these Kickstarters. The games are out in retail or these Kickstarters will be hitting you very soon. And hopefully we'll get them to the table with you one day soon. All right. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>